Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Ten Champs, Kurt. Oh, you, you you worked it in there. Oh, yes. Sir. Nice work. I'm going to. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek, hoping to be Big Ten Tournament Champs Greek. That's right. So we could, we could this could be a champion podcast We here. could be dual champs, and I'm at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. As we record right now, it is Sunday. It is a, about an hour before tip-off of the Purdue-Iowa game for the, the Big Ten Championship. Um I don't think this is hyperbola. I think this has been the greatest Big Ten basketball championship uh, tournament tournament it's been, in my lifetime. It's been fun, man. These are good games. I mean, especially as an Iowa fan because, I mean, Iowa keeps winning, but their games have either been blowouts or an exciting game. I mean, well, Jordan Bohannon hits the shot. And there's a ton of upsets, and there's a ton of come-from-behind victories. And then, like, even... My team, Illinois, loses to Indiana, but that was a fun game. Great game, right down to the wire. And, you know, we were playing with house money. We won the regular season, so I, I really wasn't that upset by it. Now, a lot of Illini fans are. I, I, you know, we didn't play all that well, I guess. But it's Even just your been, coach wasn't that upset. Right. It's, been, it's just been enjoyable all around. I, but you nailed it. Like, buzzer beaters come from behind. Yeah. You know, like, all the stuff that you would, like, write a script out on how a game could be fun. We've, we've gotten a taste of all of that. <laughs> we... And you and I talked about that Andre Curbelo coast to coast thing that almost tied the game yeah. to go into over. Wow, that that dude is electric even when he fails. I don't know who has more of a clench butt when Curbelo has the ball, <laughs> Illinois fans or whoever they're playing. Exactly, <laughs> he's hilarious, man. He's something. And those the couple of plays he had against Iowa in that last game of the regular season was amazing too. Yeah, uh, but anyways, it's been a blast. So hopefully we have a great ending to the tournament later today. Um, thank you to the listeners, uh, for the reaction and feedback we got from the mailbag pod. Um, my cousin Jody, perfect example. She's a sports fan. Don't get me wrong, but like she might not be a big enough big 10 football fan to tune into every single podcast, but she's like, Hey, mailbag every, you know, I like a good mailbag. I think a lot of people have that reaction. You know, they just love a good mailbag. Mailbag's fun. It, they're fun to read on articles too. So. But then also, like I participate in the twenty four seven mailbag that Jeremy Werner does. Like it's just I get excited because oh I get to put in a question and he usually answers my question. You know if I throw a decent one out there, so it's fun. It's fun because you get to participate. Maybe we'll get crazy. Maybe we'll do another mailbag before end of, end of summer. It wouldn't frame. be it wouldn't be the worst idea. I think we could pull that off. I think so. I think I think our fans are savvy enough. Well, they'll think of a couple more things as the oncoming season comes on. So look for that. Later this summer, special announcement here. All right, you ready? Yeah. Uh, we haven't got a date officially picked out, but it sure does look like Athlon's Braden Gall is coming on the podcast. Yes, that's right. The Joker to my Batman, the Adam Warlock to my Peter Quill coming on to the Eyes on Big podcast. So we can duke it out. Going to be fun. Don't get that second reference at all. I know you didn't. Okay. That's why I threw it in there. Okay. Just to see the look on your face. No idea who those people Guardians are. of the Galaxy characters. Ah, okay. Yeah, yes, yeah we yes, talked yes, about yes, that yes, a little yes. bit. So anyways, uh, Brayden and I have gone back and forth via Twitter for about five years now. When I think you were going back and forth telephonically prior to that. I mean, did you... Weren't you a caller pretty regularly on his show? Um, I think I only called in once, uh, but he compl- he's openly complained about me on his podcast yeah. 
at least twice, maybe three times. Okay. So, um, you know, obviously we'll keep it above the belt. I have no interest in personally attacking anybody, but there's going to be a couple things that I would like to get off my chest and we'll see how it goes. And I believe he might have received some... We'll see. Some Amador swag, maybe? We don't know that. It hasn't arrived yet, so I don't want to jinx it, but it's looking good. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll... Um, anyways, if uh, you happen to be listening to this segment of this podcast, Braden, appreciate you coming on. We look forward to it. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, so we, we just talked just seconds ago about a second mailbag. Well, it's never too soon, right? Correct. This segment, segment is called the Mailbag Annex, and this is because a listener, Ryan Galvin had DM'd me a question, and I had omitted it from our original mailbag. And it's a good question, so I kind of wanted to revisit it. Most of the questions are were via Twitter, so sometimes the DM, DM ones you just forget. Correct. I've it before, too. So. Like it, it's all, it, so I guess in the future, put it in the thread so I don't forget it. Yeah, whatever. Sometimes, yeah, but anyways. But anyway, he DM'd it to me. So Ryan Galvin's question, first one is, will the Ohio State University and a second Big Ten school join the SEC within five years? And so I think the big thing to consider here is the playoff as it stands right now goes through 2025 season. So that's within five years. So I could see things changing, not saying this, but we could see some changes after the 25 season. Right. So the way uh, he framed the question is Ohio State, because obviously it's assumed that it's the big dog in the in the conference, right. obviously, plus another team. I, I don't think there's any question the other team would be Michigan. Yeah. I don't think it's kind of like, gee, I don't know, Texas and Oklahoma. Obviously, yeah. better rivals, but you 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 don't travel unless you travel. Those two programs are attached at the hip. Um, my my first take is probably a lot of Big Ten fans shrug it off like that's never going to happen. Um, they would maybe want to ask Iowa State, Baylor, Oklahoma State fans how they feel about that because I bet they didn't think it would ever happen either. Yeah, and then I'm sure Penn State fans are sitting there saying, what are we, chop liver? Because that would be – if you were going to make a, a elite super conference with just powers from, let's say, across the country, Penn State should probably be one of those teams. For sure. But they in this scenario, if you were just looking at one Ohio State leaving and one team going – I think Penn State gets left in the dust. Yeah, I mean, if we're going under the assumption where it's just two teams in that case, yes. I mean, it's not written in stone that it couldn't be, you know, three or four or well, whatever. But, but Ryan's question was two teams. Yeah. So answering it how Ryan asked it, correct. That's I think we're I think we're speaking the truth here. Okay, and the sub question there, will the Big Ten and the SEC merge and split from the NCAA? I, I don't okay, so First of all, I think his question, do I think it'll happen? No, I, I don't think it'll happen. I think the biggest difference between the, the, the Big Ten and therefore Ohio State and Michigan as compared to Texas and Oklahoma is that the Big Ten is making gobs of money. Yeah. That that was what Oklahoma and Texas, I mean, right. poor Texas, just barely scraping by sure. a living. You know, They needed some more money. Um, I, I don't think you see that with the Big Ten. In fact, the Big Ten is making more money than the SEC, um, so I, I don't think it makes nearly as much sense, but to say that I have zero concern about it is also not true. I guess I feel exactly the same. I don't think it's going to happen in five years because of the reasons you just said. Now, what I do think could happen eventually, and who knows, maybe as soon as 2025, probably not that soon, but I don't necessarily see a Big Ten SEC merger so much as the elite team splitting off from the rest of Power Five because... It, it it really doesn't make sense for Illinois to be competing for the same trophy as Alabama. 
Okay, it, I don't. It, I don't think we're the. I don't think we're really on the same page here. Okay, we like you think it, there's gonna. I I think there I could, could see there being a super conference. That's what it. That's what. But it's it wouldn't be. be the whole SEC. Like they jettison Vandy and a number of other teams, but you'd want to bring you'd want USC and Oregon involved, right? You'd want Clemson involved. I you think probably a, want... I think a huge portion of what is considered Power Five would make that cut. You think a huge portion would? Yeah, I, I think very few teams would be left in the dust. Interesting, but you, so I'm talking about. Yeah, okay, we are talking about two different things. So you're talking about like Power Five getting separate from the Group NCAA, five. like. No, to Power Five. Well, Power yeah. Five for, forming their own whatever division, yes. separate from the NCAA. That I could see. I could see it. Yeah, I could see that. But I could also see it being a smaller group of teams, say I, 16, 20 teams. I don't see that. Interesting. That's not what I see. Okay. Um, I, I, I would see it be much bigger. I mean, the fact of the matter is, if you talk to, I, I believe, if you talk to these ADs, almost for sure, if you talk to the coaches, you, you don't think those coaches want a week off sometimes? They, they, they do. And, and, and that's what Vanderbilt's there for. So, so that, that to me would always be a part of it, but I, but I could see it getting funneled down. I mean, once Oklahoma and Texas finally goes, which we don't know is going to happen. They're still in the big 12 right now. They're yep. contractually have to stay there. Once we, once Oklahoma and Texas goes, we're darn near to four conferences at that point. Yeah. Anyways, big 10 sec out on a branch by themselves then there's a gap down to the ACC and Pac-12, and then another gap down, in my opinion, to the teams left over in the Big 12. So some of those Big 12 teams should be nervous. A couple Pac-12 teams should be nervous yeah. because the fan support in the Pac-12 just is not there. No. So those are the teams, to me, that have the most to, to, to be worried about, but we're talking, in, in my mind, like seven or eight teams. I feel bad for the Texas Techs and Baylors and... TCU, oh, TCU the world. It's Iowa they're, State. I know you fighting, don't feel bad for them, but they're fighting an uphill battle. Kansas, Kansas State. Kansas would have basketball, so they'll be okay. Yeah, I think I think the Kansas and Kansas State, Illinois. I think they'll be fine. That's my take. I I don't know. Okay, well, good good little yeah, talk there, Rusty. Yep. <laughs> okay. Hey, Bubby. Recruiting pod. This man. is it. Recruiting pod. We're here. Yeah. So nice little back to back, by the way. Yeah, mailbag to recruiting. Yeah, mailbag to recruiting. So this is this is every this is the listeners' favorite one for two reasons. Number one, recruiting is one of their favorite topics. Yeah. And number two, you do most of the talking. That's right. I mean, obviously, that that's usually what it comes down to. Right. Okay. So let's just do a little overview here. Let's talk about what this this cast is going to look like. We're not going to go deep into each team's class because you already know what those are. If you want to know you go to 24 7 so we're just going to do some higher level stuff but i'll give my opinion on how they fared this year let's say compared to last year i'll give my opinion on what each of these like just little tidbits from each of these classes and then after that we'll go and do what we did last year which was the 10 now 11 year trend and we'll look at the trends that's fantastic okay it's great that, work man i appreciate you doing this. that seemed to go over pretty well last year so i liked it so instead of a 10 year we'll do an 11 year. I should have gone back and done the whole from the start of the composite ranking, but I didn't do that. I think this is, gives you a, a good snapshot. Okay. So one thing to point out is there's a 32 scholarship limit this year. It's, it's a waiver. So normally it's a 25 limit 32 because with it, it's, it's because of all the transfers. The NCAA said, okay, for this year and COVID 
you know, so it'll go one. back to twenty five. It'll think? go back okay, to twenty five, but, as... but it's still an eighty five scholarship limit this year. Like there was a waiver on that last year. So, so, so what you're saying is theoretically, you could sign a thirty two person recruiting class. Y- yeah, that's, you can. That's, and it's like there are recruiting classes that are literally half that size. So there's, I guess, the thing to point out is there's a lot more play in the numbers this year, I think, than usual. Okay. So, wow. so it's probably not. It's probably not as easy just to look at a class and look at the ranking and say, well, this team did poorly or this team did really well. Okay. I mean, man, anything over 24 kids in a class, that, that's a lot of that's a lot of kids in diapers running around the football complex. I saw a couple, I want to say I saw a couple like 29 people class. I don't think I saw a 32, but yeah, it's 29. pretty crazy. That's insane. Yeah, because right now it's, I believe it, overall, I think it's, Texas A&M, Alabama, and Georgia. But then Georgia and A&M both have a lot more players than Alabama. So Alabama probably has the best class. I haven't looked deep into it, but I'm guessing they Well, everybody thinks Texas A&M. They, people think Texas A&M not only has the best class I've this heard, year. They, they think it's the best yeah, class of all time. I've heard that too, but I think I thought it was skewed because of the numbers. Okay. I don't know. Anyway. And speaking of the numbers, again, I – I remember I learned this from you, so I still find it interesting to this day. Um, I guess I had always kind of gone under the impression that, you know, a class and where it was quote unquote ranked pretty much had to do with the average stars of the human being. Although that certainly plays into your class's recruiting ranking, literally the number of football players that you have in your class also bumps it up. That's correct. And they have a proprietary algorithm for that too. So I don't even know how they calculate, but they come up with a total team number for your recruiting class. And like, I'm just looking at the numbers. Like for instance, Ohio state's total team number is 300 and go down to Illinois is 188. Okay. But there's no idea how they calculate that. There's, but, but there is a formula that they, that they use. Yeah. So I am okay. looking, I am looking at the team rankings right now. Texas A&M has 29 recruits. They average a 94.77 Alabama has 25, they average 95.19. So on average, Illinois, or Alabama has a better class than A&M, but A&M has higher numbers. Interesting. Yeah. That's just so man. Okay. Wow. That blows my mind. Okay. Yeah. And normally you don't see 25 for Alabama either. Yeah. Crazy. It's, yeah. It's crazy stuff. Okay. So we'll go from top to bottom. And so we always kick it off with Ohio State. This right. is our annual tradition, kick it off with Ohio State. But we'll go from top to bottom and we'll just go through the class a little bit and um, okay. pick out some things we like. Now, I guess let's start higher level and just look at the Big Ten Conference overall. They've been recruiting very well lately. Here's what I noticed this year is there's no outlier, no low outlier in the 50s, 60s, or 70s, which we've seen in the past. I mean, we've seen teams like Illinois, Purdue, even Minnesota back in like the kill days. Um, obviously, Rutgers, we'd see those teams down in the 60s or even pop into the 70s. Nobody is higher Nobody even poked into the 50s this year. Really? Correct. All 40s are above. The The lowest team ranking is Minnesota, which we will get into that, but they're ranked 49th in the country. Okay. So everybody's in the 40s. 40s I mean, high. and when you think about it, probably it should be the case because once you get into the 50s, you're getting into group of five range there well, a little bit. Yep. Some group of five start popping up there, but you look at there's 65 power five teams, right? So if... If you're not, if you're a power five team, you're not in top 65, you're doing something wrong. Correct. Yeah. And then there have been times when big 10 teams are doing it wrong. Yeah. So th- that's, that's the one thing that stuck out to me this okay. year. That's good to know. <clears throat> All right. So 
let's start with the number one recruiting class in the Big Ten again is the Ohio State Buckeyes, and they have 21 commits, which is a pretty beefy number for them. So their average is 94. So we should probably talk a little bit about what that number means. So there's a there are five stars, four stars, three stars, two stars. There's no one star. It's just five, four, three, two. So basically, the five stars start at a ranking of 1.0, and then they, I should say, let's just call it 100. They start ranking 100 and go down to 98. The four stars are from 97 to about 89. Okay. And there's a little play in there. Three stars are from 88 to 80, and then anyone under 80 is a two star. Okay. Okay. There's also unranked players. You can recruit guys that haven't been analyzed analyzed by anybody they haven't been rated and people call them zero stars they're not a zero star they're unrated okay okay they're, I so those that... uh those numbers are kind of like they, they almost are congruent to madden ratings i've probably made that comparison in the past but okay makes sense I, i'm gonna trust you on that one, all right because i've never played okay anywho so their average rating is 94 okay so that's that's incredible i mean they're so that average rating is like a mid to higher four star player like they basically don't they almost get no three stars. They did get two three star players. So they have two five star, seventeen four star, and two three star. Crazy. Okay. And I'm guessing those aren't low three stars. They're probably pretty high three stars. They're 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 all pretty high three stars. Here's one thing that I I'd love to point out. Okay, they're they're second to lowest ranked player in this whole class. They have one kind of outlier, but their second to lowest guy is ranked number four hundred eleven in the whole country. Okay. Illinois' highest-ranked player in their class is 648. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so now is as good a time as any to make the statement that I've probably made on every one of these, these podcasts, the recruiting podcasts. Okay, let me say let me say this once because I, I think we've stated this before. Okay, I am of the opinion that there's a little bit too much weight that is put on recruiting by fans and then even more so by people in the media. People are like, they're borderline obsessed with recruiting, okay? <clears throat> My own personal experiences, I saw guys come into Iowa that were highly ranked guys, and you watched them put the pads on, you're like, well, he's not that good. And then you saw guys that nobody heard about, and they just wallop people, and you're like, that dude's a player. So I have that own personal you know, thing in my head. Sure. Coaching matters to me as well. I, I believe coaching and, and schemes and stuff matters. With that being said, you're an idiot if you don't think recruiting is extremely important. Obviously, it is. And when you have that much high-rated guys in a class compared to a, a team that doesn't, I, I mean, it's it's just an unfair advantage. That's all it is. I don't even know how to say it. Absolutely. Okay. So if you're if you're looking if you're a non-Ohio State fan looking for a nugget from here, they only have the two five-star players in this class. Where last year they had five. Okay. So overall, I'll give them a tiny step back. I mean, the class is very similar to last year, but it is a small step back from last year. Mostly based on less five stars than there were before. I think that's pretty pretty much what it comes down to, but their average star ranking is slightly off from last year. Their average team total is slightly, but it's believe me, this okay. is a great class. So here's my question for Ohio State is, I mean, it seems like you know most of their studs are – Kind of on one side of the ball hmm. and to a certain degree, like almost in two positions, which would be quarterback and receiver. Do you feel like they help themselves out in what I would the, the focus I would want to put on is the back seven on the defense? OK, well, I can tell you this. I don't have 
the the web page up right now, but I so I don't know about defensive backs. But the, four of their top five rated guys are defensive players in okay. this class. So the the memo has gotten gotten out. <laughs> yeah, I think yes, I yeah. I think that Ryan Day is starting to say okay. We love receivers and we love our quarterbacks, but we also need the guys on the other side of the, the okay. line too. So, right. so that's it's an appropriate question because that's literally the next thing I was going to say. Um, but their fifth highest rated guy is a quarterback. And it's a high four star. He's not a five star, but a very high four star. Devin Brown from Draper, Utah. So look for that name. And they did get a nice transfer. And, and I should also point out transfers are not part of these rankings. And that is, I really think 24-7 needs to come up with a way to include them. Seems like it would make sense. I mean, they have transfer r- rankings now, so just I think just include them. But they got this really nice transfer cornerback, Tanner McAllister from Oklahoma State. So he has a point or a 94 transfer ranking. So he's essentially a, a nice middle four-star cornerback transfer. So he'll plug – you ask about defensive back, there you go. Huge. Boom. Plugs right in. And then – so that the transfers – are one of the most interesting things to me about recruiting right now. And they only took two transfers overall this year. So we're make sure I make sure I say how many transfers each class has okay. in, in case I forget. And another thing, something I would add is with the transfers is sometimes I see fans get butthurt that their, their team isn't more active in the transfer portal. Yeah. But sometimes you you just don't have scholarships available. If you well, don't have a ton of defectors, yeah. if you have eight people that or six people that leave, and you sign a twenty people in your class, it doesn't mean that you still have six scholarships right. available. Sometimes you gobbled up. Yeah. Some, you know. Well, and don't forget that you're not the only team that needs a transfer quarterback or defensive end. Everybody wants these guys. You're. It's the same as recruiting. It's no different. Like right. everyone, I, I wants think them. people think it's like again the Madden. And if you have the cap space, we'll just go get the guy. Right. Just just outbid. It yeah. just doesn't work it, like it that. It doesn't work that way. Okay, so let's move on to Penn State. So they're number two. Penn State's number two. Okay. Ohio State's number one. I should point out Ohio State is fourth in the country. Penn State is sixth in the country. Yeah, it's this is a banner class. And I'll, do you, do you think it helped with uh, James Franklin getting re-signed? Oh yeah, sure. Okay, that you have to do that as a program. You you got to show recruits that you're dedicated to this coach that's recruiting you. If you're not doing that, you're not even trying. So yeah, I think that definitely plays into it. Twenty five commits, so more than Ohio State here. Pretty big class. Is that the biggest class in the Big Ten? Uh, biggest class in the Big Ten is Illinois at twenty six. So close. Yeah, damn wow. close. So twenty five, but then Ohio State at a ninety four average ranking. Penn State ninety one. So is that considered close? No, it's cons- that's that's a gap. That's a gap. It, it is a it's a it's a noticeable gap. It's not enormous, but it's a gap. Okay. Now here's what they did do better than Ohio State. They got three five stars in this class. Ohio State only got two. Thirteen four stars, nine three stars. Um, they only have two transfers. So I think it's just it's just interesting to look at each program and look at their strategy with transfers. And you know someone like okay, Iowa. How many transfers do you think they got? One. I see zero. I'm... No, they got they they want them getting a tight end. Okay, so maybe that was late. Um, yeah, it was. But it's just interesting that that y- y- you can easily parse out the teams that are are development programs and not by how many they how many transfers they take. It's just it's blatantly obvious. I guess what I'm saying is like, I mean, this is what makes it so interesting is because 
every program is very much its own personality, right? Yes. Um, so this is what it bores out. And again, I, I don't think going heavy in the transfer portal makes you bad. No. And I don't think going light in the transfer portal makes you bad either. No. I, I do think there's, and again, like, I apologize if I keep doing this, but there is a comparison to the NFL in the fact that you do want to build through the draft, I believe, a.k.a. recruiting. With that being said, free agent picks up, pickups in the NFL are huge to team success. So that's, it's it's a very, it's a very similar comparison. It is a good comparison. And also you just have to know who your program is. And if you, you're a team that needs transfers and you're not getting them, you're not trying. And I think the two teams that probably both signify that were Michigan State last year mm -hmm. and a little bit again this year and Nebraska this year, which we'll get into both those teams. Okay, so this class for Penn State is a huge improvement over last year. They kind of fell off a little bit last year. Banner class, their highest rated guy is a defensive line, defensive lineman. The next five are all offensive guys. And it's, I mean, this is a very Penn State y running back, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, tight end. Those are the five guys by position. So and the two the the two guys that I'm most excited to see I just read an article they got two stud running backs in this class. They did. Yep. And there's a chance that one of if not both are 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 going to be leading contenders to carry the ball this year for Penn State. I would think so. And like they got the I believe the number one running back I, recruit I think in that's the right. country. I think that's right. So the but keep in mind their highest is a defensive lineman. Then they have those five offensive guys. The next guy is also a defensive lineman, and I think they're both edge guys. So, this, I mean, these are this is like the Penn State that we're used to, right? The Penn, the the skill position players on both sides of the ball, and then also got a really nice quarterback. This is the fourth best quarterback in the country, Drew Alar out of Medina, Ohio. So he's got the good, you know, throwing off his back foot, twisting 180 degree round. You know, he's got he's got that <laughs> highlight, which I just I'm not making fun of Drew Alar. I just think those are funny. They're silly. they're Funny and ridiculous. Yeah. Um, okay, so they do get they do have two quarterbacks in this class, by the way. I took another one. That's you don't see that a whole lot. But the ton of guys from in state and and not only in Pennsylvania, but surrounding states. So these are all like guys from the from the region, which is always a good thing to get guys that are kind of more local. So they, I love this class. I, I, so DMV uh, heavy in this, and, they, and they're doing well, it. Well, a little bit DMV, but like yeah, you, you got Jersey, you got DMV, Jersey, yeah. you got Ohio. You got a lot of there's a lot of talent to pull from right around Pennsylvania. Penn State's in a good spot. They they really are. So so hats off to James Franklin. I mean, the last two years haven't been banner years, but no. this is one thing that keeps the fan base at bay. You know, getting out the sure. torches and the pitchforks. You pull in a class like this. Yeah, good job, James. So third in the conference and ninth in the country, Michigan Wolverines with 22 commits. And they come in just under Penn State at a 90.15. Penn State was a 90.82. So comparable in terms of average ranking with Penn State being a little bit better. One five-star, nine four-star, 12 three-star. They have only one transfer. That That's really interesting to me. I guess, you, I mean. When you have success, guys tend to stay. And by the way, this class compared to last year's class, very similar. You okay. can, I mean. They're, they're, they they are recruiting at a very consistent level. They always come in in that at ninety ish range. Just Harbaugh does an excellent job recruiting. I can't say enough about it. He doesn't quite get the the five star guys that that Ohio State gets, but he does everything else right. I w I would love to ask Harbaugh that question 
again, if he was hooked up to some sodium pentothal or whatever, and he was just telling the truth. Like, I wonder if he says, listen, it it is just very, very hard for us to get over top of the Ohio State, Georgias, and Alabamas of the world. We are comfortable getting that just under the top level yeah. guys and just dominating with those guys. Now, if, if there's a criticism, I will say it's this. His class is from all over the country. It's not, I mean, now you can't just live off the state of Michigan, but still, he has three guys from California, three guys from Florida, and those are the highest number from any states, California and Florida. Everyone else is two here, one there. So, what? I'm just curious, why do you think that's a negative? Um, so, if you get guys that are closer to home, I think they tend to stay there more often. But if guys aren't leaving, which would you would think is the case because they've only took one transfer, that's a great they're point. staying. That's a great point. If you keep them, that's fine. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm with you. I, I want some Michigan guys because you need, you know, guys that grew up wearing the maize and blue or whatever your team color is. They tend to be glue guys inside the locker room. Yeah. So I'm with you there. With that being said, if you have the chance to take a high four-star out of Florida at, de- at defensive end, as compared to a low three-star from Kalamazoo, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the more talented guy. No, you do. You do. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Harbs feels the same way. And I think he only got one from Michigan. We'll get to the, we'll get to that in the next segment. But I, just one player from in-state, which I actually I want to talk about that in a second here. Uh, so they a little bit receiver-heavy with five, NDB-heavy with five as well. Those are pretty high numbers. Another class that has two QBs in it. Not, not super highly rated. Now, keep in mind, they got J.J. McCarthy last year, so quarterbacks are probably a little hesitant, really highly ranked ones. These are both high-ranked three-star guys. And then I was just curious, since they only got one in state, how many of those did they lose to Michigan State? That's my question. Interesting. And and so I, I did a little deep dive on that. Okay. <clears throat> Michigan State got six Michigan commits. Keep in mind, Michigan won. Four of those guys had Michigan offers, and one actually flipped from Michigan to Michigan State. Wow. So Mel's doing work, too. Mel's doing work, too, which brings us to our next team, which is the fourth-ranked team in the conference, the Michigan State Spartans. Nationally, 22, pretty damn good, 23 commits. So as a comparison, Michigan comes at a 90 average ranking, and Michigan State's at 87. So that's a bit of a stretch. So there's kind of a cutoff here between Michigan and Michigan State. All right, so we've got – Tiers, I think we kind of yep. did too. So tier one by itself, Ohio State. Tier two, right next to each other, Penn State and Michigan. Now we have dropped down to a third tier where Sparty's at. Correct. So no five stars, but six four stars in this class. Um, they also have, we know that he went huge in that transfer portal last year. Seven transfers again this year. So dipping into that pretty good again. I mean, why wouldn't you with all the success you had last year? I mean, you could make an argument that looking at the transfer portal and focusing on the big 10. So we've been doing it for whatever, three years. If we are still doing this podcast seven years from now, we've got 10 years of, of, of transfer portal data. I don't know if you'll ever get a better transfer portal get than what they got last year at running back. No, that could be the high water mark for everybody forever. It really could be right. I I don't know where they would have been without him. And he should have, he should have, he should have been a Heisman candidate. He should have. I mean, everyone knew he was a producer at Wake Forest, but nobody could have ever imagined that he would do the things he did. The only other one that honestly might be close, and this is going back a ways, would be Russell Wilson, 
Yeah, good point. I mean, those would be the, if you're doing a Big Ten Mount Rushmore of transfers, Russell Wilson and and uh, uh, running back. Uh, Kenneth talking, Walker. Kenneth Walker, they're, they're two of the four. Russell Wilson's like the Neil Armstrong of transfers. He basically. really can. He really can. Is <laughs> he was the first one to take a. To, well, he signed a. He signed an interesting. He's out of Seattle into Denver. Crazy, yeah, but anyway. crazy. So, yeah. so this class is a huge improvement over last year. If you recall, like of course transfers were not account were not factored in, but looking just at their recruiting rankings, big improvement for Michigan State. So, if you're a Sparty fan right now, you just got to be like a pick and slop. Things couldn't be going better. So I say I called it. I thought Mel Tucker was a good hire. I did. He's he's doing even better than I thought he would do. I mean, he just seems to be a dude that just loves the grind when it comes to recruiting and representing Michigan State. He does, man. He eats um, it up. Um, so would you, if you don't know this down to a detail, I, I don't expect you, but nobody thought Michigan State was going to have the year that they had. Did it seem like they, because of how the year was going, that they did catch momentum getting recruits in, or were they kind of already doing good with recruiting even before they started stacking wins? So the thing about recruiting is that there's usually a one-year delay. So from this year, you would expect to see a good recruiting class next year. Now, it doesn't mean you can't pick up a guy here and there in the moment, in the season, but that's not really how it works out. So I would expect them – I would expect them to do well again next year. So they're at 22 nationally this year. 22nd nationally. I'll, I'll put you on the spot. We'll see how close. Where do you think they'll be at when we do this recruiting pod next year? 17. Ooh. Okay. My guess is 17. Okay. Look for that, Sparty. Okay, so six from the state of Michigan. Take a guess. It's not their It's not their highest number from any state. What's their, What state do you think they recruited the heaviest? <sighs> well, Mel's kind of been all around. I'm... I would I would think south and, yeah. and I would, and I would say of, Florida. Georgia. Okay, Georgia. Yeah. So uh, seven players from the state of Georgia. I mean that's almost a class right there. Georgia and Michigan, the 13 players, that you that's a pretty damn good start. So again, the transfer portal master here, he got transfers from Colorado, Georgia, Florida, Mississippi State, some pretty big names and oh by the way, he got Jalen Berger from Wisconsin and he got Daniel Barker the tight end from Illinois. So I expect to see another influx of talent from the transfer portal and, and the guys that are just going to be contributing right away. Uh, six wide receivers in this class, six. That's a huge number. Uh, ever heard of this guy? Sound familiar? Antonio Gates Jr. Really? Oh yeah. He's in this class. Wide receiver though. He's a wide receiver. Yeah. Is he a big wide receiver? I would think. I don't know what his okay. measurables are, but he's, he's listed as a wide receiver. Nice four-star quarterback out of St. John Bosco in California. Caden Hauser is his name. And we already talked about the six commits from Michigan. Four had Michigan offers. So great in-state hall for Mella. Ah, boy. I'd be a, be a little worried if I was a, a Wolverine fan. I, think. I mean, I mean, Michigan just had a big year, so but well, that's a good point. It'll it'll be he, fun to see him duke it out next year in state, or the next two or three. Well, I mean, years. this this upcoming yeah. class, the twenty three um, class, is going to be fun. I mean, historically speaking, last year was a gigantic anomaly in that both Michigan and Michigan State were good. Typically, one of one of them is down while that's the other point. one's up. That's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. Okay, now moving on to fifth in the conference. Is this a typo? The Indiana Hoosiers come in at number five. Mind-boggling. 26th in the country. They have 21 commits. So they have an average of – their their average ranking is actually slightly higher than Sparty. 
They have an 87.44. Sparty's an 87.37. This so, is my shock face. Pretty pretty impressive job by Tommy Allen. So they, I know, knew Indiana was there, but you're, the average ranking is that that is surprising. I mean, they're so close; it's basically a wash. But nevertheless, it is higher. So, by the way, no five stars for the rest of the teams. Uh, there was only six total five stars signed in the entire class, all by Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. So Indiana comes in with four four stars, seventeen three stars, and they have a huge transfer hall with 10 players. And by the way, enormous improvement this year over last year's recruiting class. No doubt about that. So the trans- Which is, I, I mean, they had the big year during the COVID and, and, I, and I'm assuming if there is a one year delay for success, there's probably a one year delay yeah. for non-success there as well. Yeah. Yeah. There, but, certain- to, but to be able to still though, I got to think, it, it's easier to lose recruits than it is to get them on the success, non-success thing. So the fact that that, that Crazy Tommy could hold on to this class is it's impressive. A very good, it's a very good point. So all 10 of these transfers, by the way, I mean, I'm specifically talking about the transfers, so, so not factored into this great class. So this is in, in addition to the great class they had. All 10 are from Power 5 programs. Or I'm sorry, All five are from Power Five, and a lot of them are power programs within Power Five. Okay, that's what I, yeah, that's what my note means here. I mean, it, 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 if you're an Indiana fan that is searching for silver lining right now, that the upcoming season can look better. This is it right here. And you know, the obviously the huge hole was quarterback last year with Penix being injured. Now Penix transferring. Who's going to be the quarterback? They had Connor Bazelak from Missouri, who's pretty talented. I know he. He had his ups and downs, but I'd be I'd be pretty optimistic next year as a Hoosier fan, okay. I think. So seven players from Florida. They've always seemed to recruit Florida very heavily, but seven players heavy on the defensive line with five defensive linemen. Probably somewhere they need a little help. Their prize recruit, Dasan McCullough. That name might sound familiar. He's, he's listed as a linebacker. His dad is the running backs coach, assistant head coach, Dylan McCullough. He also has a brother in the next class, so... I'm expecting him to also be a Hoosier, so good job uh, recruiting there by their new running backs head coach or running backs coach. Way to go, getting your son to to come over. So, not much other to say about this class other than way to go, Tommy A. It's just not normal to see IU pop into the top half of the conference. Absolutely crazy. Okay, next is at number six is the Iowa Hawkeyes, which is interesting because this is our first Big Ten West team. That, that, that makes an appearance. There, there is. And at one point, at one point prior to the second signing period, the top seven were all East teams. One through seven were East teams and, and eight through 14 were West teams. But Iowa popped in there to ruin the fun for the East. So they are the number six team in conference and the number 30 team nationally with only 18 commits. And so they come in at an 87.81. So that's better than both Indiana and Michigan State. Yeah, it's so average ranking. So I like to say the average ranking shows how well you're recruiting. It takes the numbers out of it. It's just like, how good are these players? If you don't need a lot of players, if you don't have a lot of spots, well, then you can't recruit more players. That, so, that is a point that I feel like nobody pays attention to. No. To a certain degree, you get penalized by your own success if guys aren't taken off from the program. That's correct. As far as your recruiting rankings. That's go. correct. So in terms of 
in terms of the average recruit ranking, Iowa actually falls fourth in the conference. Something to be happy about if you're an Iowa fan. Absolutely. So they got zero five stars, two four stars, 16 three stars, which basically means these are all highly ranked three star guys. You know, these are all higher end three stars. Um, I, I had zero transfers here, according to 24 seven. But you're saying there's one transfer. They got tight end. They got tight end transfer because they needed it. I mean, always do. Right. So <laughs> I guess in terms of like the total class number. It's a slight drop for Iowa, but I just don't know how they do a heck of a lot more than this unless they get, you know, a five star or something like that. I mean, they're going to offer one or two walk ons on the team, a scholarship for their junior senior year. They do it all the time. So they always save a couple for that. I mean, overall, I'm ecstatic with this class. Um, You know, fans are fans, but you hear Iowa fans upset that more stuff should happen. I'm not saying it's the majority of them, but. I don't know this when there's not a lot of people taken off this I'm very happy with obviously I mean this is the only class that I can actually you know talk about at all but the number one guy in the class Xavier and Wampa a, a safety um, I, I didn't see him play in person but I saw him play on TV twice dude is good I mean he sometimes the five-star guys don't look like it he, he glides over the football mm-hmm. field so he, they had to fight off ohio state notre dame to okay. keep him so uh, very happy about him okay almost all the players are from the midwest they got one from california they got one from florida but they're all you know in and around the state of iowa which which i think is good it, it's interesting to look at the position breakdown because they never go super heavy or super light on positions because I think they just have their numbers figured out and they keep guys. And so they don't really have to be desperate and pull six wide receivers in a class. I, I have this feeling that Kirk Ferentz, who's been doing this for 22 years, probably has a cadence with his staff and his team. And he has a feel for how things are going to go. Um, so very excited about uh, uh, Wampa, but I'm just calling it right now. The guy that will be the most consistent, best contributor will be Aaron Graves. And um, he just looks like that Iowa guy that people forget about after the first year because he plays D-line. Tough to break into D-line to a Big Ten team, especially Iowa. But then his second year, he'll get some playing time, but not much. Then we'll lose a big defensive lineman, and everybody will say, oh, my gosh, how is Iowa going to replace this guy? And then Aaron Graves will pop out. I will bet you that is exactly how the story is going to go with Aaron Graves. I'm not going to bet against that. Okay, so moving on to the seventh team in the conference, the Maryland Terrapins, coming in at 31st nationally with 21 commits. So they're right in that 87 range as well. They're in 87.37. That's exactly the same as, the, say, the Michigan State Spartans. So this, the only difference between the Spartan class and the Maryland class literally is numbers, two guys. So that's why Maryland finished seven and Sparty finished four. So if you're a Maryland fan, you're feeling pretty good about that. Especially coming off a 1-11 season. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's a that's a joke. That's what I predicted. Obviously wrong. They went seven and six. So Lox is taking advantage again. Yeah, as we know, he does a great job. He's got four four stars in this class, 17 three stars. Now, three transfers. Only three transfers. A little bit surprised at that, but I guess maybe they didn't have the numbers too. Um, but here's the thing with your four stars, Lox, is you got to hold them. You know, it's like the reservation. You can't just take them. You got to hold them. They lost a couple big ones from the last class. So let's see how he does holding on to these guys. And, you know, this is something you can do at Maryland. This is an advantage that Maryland has is there's so 
much talent in that area. And most of their recruits are right from that region. There's only five of the 21 that are from outside of the region. So, you know, you've got you've got the D.C. area, which is also Maryland, Virginia. They've got players from North Carolina. They got players from uh, uh, Jersey. So, you know, right in the region there, not far from home. Great job by Locks recruiting locally. Uh, very offensive line heavy. They went with six offensive linemen in this class. That's a pretty big number. And also, here's another one. You don't see this too often. Four, quote, athletes where they just rank a guy because he's they're not really sure where he's going to fit in at the next level, but he's a good player. So they recruited four athletes that they'll probably just, you know, okay, we'll plug this guy at running back. We'll plug this guy at receiver. Plug this guy at a cornerback or a safety. So that I just thought that was interesting because yeah. that's a high number of For athletes. Sure. You don't yeah. usually see that. And also two quarterbacks in this class. So over half the class is either an offensive lineman or an athlete. Yeah. Yeah, that interesting. interesting. Uh, right around half, just okay. just under half, actually. Okay. But then two quarterbacks. Both are three-star guys, not super high rated. And as I mentioned, big thing here for Locks is to hold those commits, not just take the commits. All right, is that seven teams that we're That's at? seven teams. Okay. Do you want to hear about some Amador yeah, bourbon here? Yeah, let's hear about some Amador, man. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels this Double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your perfect bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to any fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. All right, moving on to the eighth team in conference is the Rutgers Scarlet Knights coming in at 33rd nationally. This is interesting. You have Iowa, Maryland, Rutgers, Purdue. That's a little preview of the next team are ranked 30, 31, 33, and 37 in the Crazy. country. Just bunched right up next to one another. Okay. That is interesting. So Rutgers took 20 players, also right in that 87 number, 87.04. So doing a wow. great job. Yeah, I know. That, just, that's it, impressive by Sheehan. I know it, man. He's got four four-stars in this class, uh, 15, 15 uh, three-stars in the class, and then – in terms of transfers, which you know we know he's been active in the past, he's got six transfers in this class too, and this obviously big improvement over last year. I mean, we saw a huge improvement last year from what Ash had been doing, right? Huge. This is a big improvement from what he did last year. So, so, so what you're saying is from the Ash days, one big gigantic step, and then another one. This yes, year. I mean this is night and day. What? Chris Ash was doing the last three years was basically Mac level recruiting. This is big boy, big 10 recruiting that Shiano's doing right now. It's impressive, man. And it's, it's not like the guy can't coach as well. Can you recall two back to back coaches at a program that were so bad and so good? God, that's a good, you, you throw it out to us listeners. I no, or, or, or even vice versa and, to go from, you know, yeah. from bad to good or good to bad. Like, it's it's impre- It's just and amazing. I, mean, I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because they finished five and seven last year. But I guess I'm just saying that you just see that he's doing the right things. Whereas Ash clearly wasn't getting it done. So another one, this is another program that has a huge advantage where they've got a ton of talent locally. Like, Jersey is such an underrated state for recruiting and there's not a lot of other programs, you know, right there to take that talent. So they have 15 players from either Jersey or right around Jersey. I'll just say from the region, another one, heavy on offensive linemen, 
another program that needed it, but they took seven offensive linemen in this class out of 20 players and not a quarterback in this class. I thought mm. that was interesting. Well, they got the big, big stud. They got the big stud yeah, that, that was there last year. But a couple here's a couple big transfers, though. Curtis Dunlap from Minnesota. We know about him. But also Taj Harris, the wide receiver from Syracuse. The, nice work on the transfer uh, portal deal there for by Shiano. So I don't know what else there is to say other than I mean, my this, the thought that goes in my head is my guess is there are a lot of uh, fans from you know other fan bases maybe in the Big Ten, probably outside of the Big Ten too, that just expect Rutgers to fall back to being Rutgers. I don't think that's going to be the case. No, this is I I expect them to be really competitive from is from here until as long as Shiano is at Rutgers. Shiano woke up this morning and got himself a gun. He did. Way to go, Greg Shiano. So moving on to the number nine classes, the Purdue Boilermakers. And they were down there for a while, and they they kind of made a run and and uh, finished at a pretty respectable place. So 37th in the country, 20 commits. So now you start dipping down into that 86 range. So the, they finished at an 86.39. So there's a demarcation here. You think so? There is, but we're going to get to another another class that I think is part of the previous tier. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. So Purdue with 20 commits, let's so that I guess we call it Ohio State's in their own tier, Penn State, Michigan in tier two. Then we just went through two tier three. So this, I guess, would be tier four. Okay. And tier three is off the top of my head, Iowa, Maryland, Indiana, uh, Michigan State, Michigan State Rutgers. Yeah. Interesting. And we're going to add one more to that. Interesting. Yeah. So they have the the Boilermakers have zero five stars, of course, but three four stars, which is pretty good for the Boilermakers, 17 three stars. They were fairly active in the transfer market as well. They went with five transfers here. But if you recall last year, Brom did not have a very good class. So this is this is him rebounding to where he was kind of recruiting earlier in his tenure at in West Lafayette. So good job. Do you think his recruiting pitch was, hey, you want to come to Purdue and play 12 Power 5 teams? Yeah. This is the place. <laughs> you want to, want to just you want your body to be completely wrecked by the end of the season? Purdue's um, the place for you. But uh, for transfers, I want to point out Reese Taylor from Indiana, man. That's a that's a big one. And then Tyrone Tracy from Iowa is another one that I think can contribute. And, you know, if you're a wide receiver that doesn't think you're getting enough touches, I, I can see how it would be attractive to look at. Purdue one would think yeah. yeah so they're robbing a rival and a Big Ten West rival correct that's that's impressive so um kind of the same question that I had with Ohio State well not the exact same but again it seemed like Purdue's thing was just always honing in on quarterbacks and wide receivers but have have they spread it out more like Ohio State's was more focused on the back seven you can make an argument with Purdue they need to spread it out all over the place. Do you think they did that a little bit with this class? They got two. So I mentioned they have three four stars. They got two four star defensive linemen in this okay. class. So yeah, did they spread it out? They certainly did. But then also their highest ranked player is a quarterback, which we haven't seen up to this point. I mean, he's been manufacturing quarterback play and doing a great job with it. Now he's got a guy that maybe is even more talented than what he's used to working with. Tell you what, the the year Purdue had this past year, it was a program saver, man. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if they had had another dog of a season, you could see him maybe losing his job, right? And Purdue falling off into the abyss for a little totally. bit. They've, they've spent time in the abyss the absolutely. last 15 years. Like, I mean, it would have been danger of them becoming Rutgers under Ash. Not 
that bad. Okay, but... I mean, not okay, not that, but, but I mean, basically being the dregs of the Big Ten. If they if they had had a crap season, potentially and had to fire. Potentially, yeah. I think we're a couple. We would have been a couple steps away from that, even if they went like four and eight. Long story short, that didn't happen. They went nine and four. I mean, that's with with two huge wins too. You know, and they got Carlaftis right. in the first round of the draft. David Bell makes headlines like it's a big year. Yeah, it, it was it was a program saver. It I was. think that's a good way to put it. Um, so great job by Brom. I, I would call this a rebound class by a rebound season and a rebound recruiting class. Yeah, way to go. So moving to number ten is the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Still in this tier though. St- I'm staying in this tier with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. So they have 18 total commits. So they finished at an 86.68. So slightly better than Purdue in terms of average, but still within this tier. Two four stars, 16 three stars. And then in terms of transfers, Oof. boy, they 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 dip down in that transfer market with 11. So this is the highest number for for a transfer class in the conference. Next is Indiana at 10. So you know, obviously this was a this was a step back year recruiting for Nebraska. They're used to recruiting in much higher, much higher. So I mean, they, they're usually in the top 25, usually in the top 25. They usually, I mean, they were living in that number four spot in the big 10 for a long time there. So, you know, maybe, I don't know, just step back for frost, I guess is all you can say. And I mean, one could make an argument that him's keeping the recruiting going that second and third year was impressive because yeah. the wins weren't on the 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 uh, uh, schedule. This year maybe is one of the first times where the recruiting did suffer because this is now four losing seasons yeah. under Frost. With that being said, he still figured out a way to to impress people. I mean, just getting Casey Thompson alone. Okay, and I'm going to go beyond that. This class was looking much worse. His late recruiting, again, which he's very good at. He always seems to pull late guys. I mean, they saved this class. They did. And I, of, and I think Mickey Joseph deserves most of that credit. That's a great point. Most of their highest-ranked guys were all late sign, late commits and they, late signees. They, this was this was borderline awful class. Like, yeah. Like, what are we, like four months ago, something like three months Correct. ago, something like that. And, and and Mickey Joseph went to went to town. I mean, I'm sure Scott Frost deserves some of that credit too. I mean, you know, he's probably the closer to a certain degree. So, like Nebraska fans, maybe don't feel great about this class, but they don't feel simply awful. So that should make them feel better in general. But and and I believe they needed very much help at quarterback to fit into the new Coot Whip offense. Getting Casey Thompson. I'm not a big Chubba Purdy fan. That's, right. that's just, but I mean, it, it, and then, I mean, they got, they got defensive back help. They got wide receiver help. Yeah. They got two nice cornerback transfers. Um, it, it, well, but before we can get there, I counted six of their top commits were late sign were late commits. Like after the early signing period where they committed after that signing period and, and, and signed eventually six of them. Frosty was like back in, back in your single days where he didn't talk to a single girl all night long and somehow just took a check home, right? right in, in between, you know, a half hour before closing time. Right, but you have to be encouraged because that's when the changes came in, right? And then they, it's there was a sudden resurgence in recruiting, so that's got to feel good for the future. And then I wanted to point out um, 
I'm sure this name isn't new to you, but just I'll name team wide receiver DeColdest Crawford from Shreveport. DeColdest. What a what a name. But yeah, two nice uh, cornerback transfers. Also the two quarterback transfers there. Um, the highest number from one state that they got is three, which they did three times. So they obviously had a ton of talent that pulled. So they have to recruit nationally. They have no choice. But um, but Nebraska fans want to see them do better in state, and there seems to be a focus on that now as well. Yeah, so three from Nebraska, and I can't remember where the other three. They had another state with three players. can't remember which one. But, yeah, I guess you'd want a couple more from Nebraska. Probably. I think you'll see that moving forward. But a wide receiver heavy class with five players from the wide receiver position here. So moving on to the number 11 team, the Wisconsin Badgers. So they have the, the lowest – number of commits in the Big Ten this season at only 15. So Northwestern has 16, Minnesota 18, Iowa 18. So a very low class, but the lowest. So that's why they're ranked all the way down at 11. I would put them in that higher tier. Okay. Okay. I figured that would be the team that was, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely a step back for them. I I would say a little step back for them in terms of average or 87.33. So that puts them right at Michigan State's level, basically. Okay, so they recruited the average strength of the player was equivalent to the number four team in the class, but they only had 15 players versus 23 for Michigan State. So Long that, story short, it's pretty darn good class for I Wisconsin. Mean, it's, a, it's a good class. It's not a great class. They have zero five stars, two four stars, and then 13 three stars, and those three stars are all going to be higher-end three stars. But if there was eight guys that left the program – and that they filled in on the, you, you could make an argument that they'd be way higher. Yeah. I don't know. So, but, but yeah, do you, the feeling I get from Nebraska fans, Iowa fans, Minnesota fans, like we all have, that's, that's one of the rare times where those three fan bases are kind of on the same page in that we're kind of hoping that we're seeing weaknesses within Wisconsin. Yeah. There are some that believe uh, uh, Chris and company aren't doing the work that many, you know, like that maybe okay. they've done in the past or other teams are doing, doing, do you think there's anything to that? Hmm. No TV. Okay. Not really. Okay. No, I mean, it's again, they're used to living in that 87 range. They've kind of, I think they poked up maybe in the 88 range at some point here recently. Cause they got, you know, they started getting some five-star players, which they're not used to getting and they got none in this. So, I guess if you want to criticize them, there's no five star that they okay. they've kind of been and they getting... did lose the biggest in state recruit O line. He went to Ohio State, I believe. Okay, so that's, so that's that's that's, that's something. something. But then they got five guys in the transfer portal. It's another one that's not going to be huge in the TP. But they three of those five are cornerbacks, so they clearly saw a, a hole in the roster, and they're they're looking to patch that up. So again, mentioned this is the smallest class in the Big Ten. So you got five players from in state. Two from Michigan, and the rest are just onesies. All over the place. From all over the place. Uh, so the prize recruit is offensive tackle. Go figure. Uh, Joe Brunner is his name from Milwaukee. He's the number 85 player nationally. So that's a that's a high four-star guy. So that's not not on the edge of five-star, but you're, you're getting into that neighborhood. So, yeah, I know it, it's probably discouraging to see the number 11th class, but I, honestly, I wouldn't fret Wisconsin. You're going to be just fine. And by the way, you got a system that you run that seems to be pretty good. So they're 45th nationally. So moving on to the number 12th team in the country, the Illinois Fighting Illini coming at 46 nationally. Why is that? They got 26 players in this class. Biggest class, the Big Ten. 
lowest average star ranking in the Big Ten, okay? And to be honest with you, it's not really close to the 13th class really? in terms of average star ranking. Right. Not really. I'm mean, So the, the 13th class in terms of average star or 13th program in terms of average star ranking is the Minnesota Gophers, and they're considerably ahead of Illinois. Really? So, yeah. Illinois, this is the worst class in the Big Ten. So does it surprise you a little bit? I mean, Illinois looked better last year. I I think Beatles a pretty darn good recruiter. I mean, he spent time in the dirty south where, you know, anything goes like it kind of surprised me that that it's not a little bit higher average average rank. We'll get into it. He's doing some things right. Um I guess it kind of surprises me too that it's not a little better. Like I wouldn't expect so, by the way, Bielma's doing the right things. You come into Illinois, you should be able to recruit better at Illinois when you're doing the right things. So you wonder what is going on. And to me, I, I this is not a popular opinion. I get shot down by people with this opinion all the time. I think it's NIL. If you're a player that's considering Illinois, Iowa, let's say Wisconsin, let's say Minnesota, and I'm not. T- and people say, "Oh, well, that's only for the four star and five stars." No, no, it's not. You can do whatever. You can sell T-shirts if you want. You can sell autographs if you want. If you're a player that's considering, the, like, say you're a three-star player considering those programs, those four programs, how much earning potential do you have at Illinois compared to these other ones? Because you just believe the the fan. The, the available t- fans are already exhausted by it's a the slumber- Bears and the 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 Bulls and I mean they're just no, I'm going beyond that it's a slumbering fan base because they've been losing for 25 years the fans are there they just don't care there's not many that care that much okay it's interesting I think I I'm blaming this on NIL okay I don't that's not an unfounded theory okay I have people tell me I'm an idiot when I say that um so. Th- one thing I liked about this, 10 early enrollees, that's that's a good thing. That's the thing Lovey wasn't doing. They only took two transfers. They, I know they wanted to take more, and they had they had room to take more, and I just don't think they were getting them. Now, the good thing to say is, and we'll get to this, but they took 11 in-staters. And if you recall, a couple years ago, Lovey got zero in-staters. So his goal was to... Repair the relationships in state. So, He's doing that. And by the way, I think that's part of the lower ranking. He's taking in-state guys f- priority to get priori- wins. In, to get wins in the state. To get wins in the state and to build relationships for the future. So I think he's. He's just prone to taking a slightly lower-ranked guy because he's in-state. And what happens if one of those slightly lower guys winds up being a stud? He can point to him and say, hey, we took, you know, what's-his-face and turned him into a, you know, correct six-round draft pick or something like that. And so here's one here's one to point out. And, and he did beat, like, Iowa, for instance. I think he beat head-to-head Iowa for a couple players. And one of them was a, a fairly—it's the highest-ranked guy in the class, Aiden Lawfrey. He's from uh, Gibson City, Melvin Sibley High School. Position. Uh, he's he's considered an athlete, so I'm I'm. He looks like a safety to me personally, but he's he did a lot of running back. I think he running back. He even played quarterback. He was all over the place in high school. But this is definitely a guy that Iowa wanted. And it's the kind of guy that's like a nice recruit that you know just stars at Iowa. So things like that, those are those are victories. Those are things you can point to, and maybe they'll start improving the future. As far as transfers, the big transfer is Tommy DeVito, the quarterback out of Syracuse. So it's going to be the Tommy DeVito show. They they've, they're handing the keys to him. Now here's an interesting one. This is the worst team in the big 10, right? 46 in the country. Do you know, they got the best recruit in the nation, the nation of Denmark. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) 
Denmark. Okay. <laughs> they literally got the top recruit out of Denmark. What position? <laughs> He's an offensive tackle. Nice. Named Magnus Moeller. He's six eight. Great name. He's six eight, three hundred. Like he's you know pretty slim for a six eight right. guy, but he moves great, and it's just gonna be fun. Like who knows? Maybe he'll end up being a really good player. Um, I just think I just love saying that we got the best player in the country. Um, so anyway, moving along to the thirteenth ranked team, which is the Northwestern Wildcats, coming in at forty eight nationally. Another program that that usually does not take a lot of players so they have 16 in this class that's that's their sweet spot that's usually where they end up so an average of 86.62 so quite a bit better than illinois at 85.09 two four stars 14 three stars and they did take four transfers i mean this is something that i think they're i think they just have to do right now right i mean they need to patch some holes so four transfers but the interesting one no quarterbacks among those transfers how about the recruiting class? Um, okay, recruiting cr- do class. Do they have a quarterback? They in- do. Okay. But he's the lowest ranked recruit in their class. Really? Yeah. I mean, it probably it doesn't look appealing to be a quarterback at Northwestern right now for, for twofold. Number one, how the offense has looked. And number two, the the wins haven't looked great two yeah. of the last three years. It doesn't look pretty, right? So I don't – I mean, is I look at this and I see – a red flag, but probably this, the lowest ranked recruit, he's probably gonna be the next big star in the big 10. Well, what I would say is if somehow you could look at this recruiting class, but you didn't know the current state of Northwestern football, you'd be like, Oh yeah, that's a Northwestern class. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't look dissimilar for a lot of what their classes look like the last five years. No, by the way, this is exactly what their classes have looked like the last five years. Right. But I do think there's a problem that they need to address, which is quarterback. Yeah. And I, it doesn't appear that they've done that. But there's another team that just spreads out recruiting. They kind of have to. They have a different strategy being you know, the institution yep. that they are. So they, they do recruit locally. I think they got four players in state. But then they just have to recruit everywhere else right? pretty much. Guarantee there's one guy in that class that's going to finish his career with 300 tackles. <laughs> well, no doubt about that. So the, their prize recruit, though, is Reggie Florima, wide receiver out of Naperville. Same high school as Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed up there at Michigan State. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was being heavily recruited. Like pretty much all the all the Big West teams were recruiting Reggie Florima. So that was that was a huge win for the Wildcats. And then moving to the 14th class, last class in the Big Ten is the Minnesota Golden Gophers, coming in at 49th nationally, but also a smaller class now. I will say, not a great average ranking at an 85.78. So they were second worst in the Big Ten. And, and again, Illinois was last at 85.09. So that is a that is a difference. That's a significant difference. But, I mean, this is off from what, from what PJ is used to doing. I mean, the, the reason they're ranked 14 and not 12 is that they only have 18 players. But they did get two four-star guys. And they did get a nice transfer haul again. So Michigan offensive lineman, right? They got a Michigan offensive lineman. They got another Clemson defensive lineman. They got a Notre Dame transfer as well. So from, you know, big programs that that's, that's encouraging. Both of their four stars are defensive linemen. So one of them, Trey Bixby, Eden Prairie high school. You may have heard of that place. Um, Oh yeah. And the, the Notre Dame transfer was offensive tackle 
you may recognize the name Quinn Carroll from Edina High School, huge recruit a few years ago. So he he left Notre Dame, he's coming back home. So maybe maybe he'll plug right into that that Gopher offensive line. So with that being said, um, I, I mean this this is a concern for Minnesota. They have a reason to be a. I mean it is a or, con- or at least to the point to ask question like, and my and this is my question to you why why is this so low? You wouldn't expect this. I can't really explain it because you would think it it's based on that 2020 season, which was a just a disaster. It wasn't. I mean, it was it was subpar, but no. But what I'm I'm, I'm saying is it, I'm not blaming that all on PJ and the program. Like it just oh, so much you. crap happened yeah. that year. So th- that's what this would be based off of. But I don't think that's fair. Um, I think it's just an anomaly, really. I, okay. I wouldn't get too bent out of shape if I'm a Gophers fan. It's just one recruiting class. He generally generally recruits pretty well. I expect him to bounce back next year. And I would say, I, I don't think there's a lot of dudes leaving Minnesota either. No, so they're just so that's a good sign that you know the staff and maybe to a certain degree recruits look at the depth chart and they see there's a lot of dudes that are, still have a couple years left. So that affects recruiting yeah. too. So okay, so you would say if this type of looking class happens again next year, then there's more concern. Yeah. Uh, yes, okay. for sure. And then the the other thing is, if they aren't from Minnesota, the recruits are from far away. Uh, just interesting. Like, they don't get guys from Wisconsin, Iowa. Iowa. I've always wondered that. It's, it's You just, you don't even hear it very often that Iowa and Minnesota are in a recruiting tussle. No. It's, it's so odd. And then, yeah. and I know me and you've talked about it before, with Peach being from the land of Lincoln, I, I, it just doesn't. Well, seem... so that's something we should point out is they got zero recruits from Illinois, and that could be because of Bielema. So maybe one of the reasons they fell off is because they usually pull three, four, even I think they even got like five players from Illinois. So there's they'll they'll have to be an adjustment now. Like I do think we so. do we yeah. still stick in there and take on yeah Beetle or do we? adjust and go uh, go other places yeah it's interesting right so that wraps up the dude that was good you you laid that out well all right good good that was that was good data that you found good good finding of the stats and dude i'm impressed i know that's a lot of work so i just since since our listeners can't say thanks back to you i guess they can on twitter i'm i'm saying it for them that was that was impressive all right so now let's talk about some trends starting with 2012 season or recruiting class i should say all the way up to this current one the 2020 we'll just start we'll start with the west go down the line okay and the good island right. east we'll do this pretty quickly so illinois comes in at 46 that's their highest ranking i mean so we talk about it's the lowest average star ranking but they had a ton of play, but 46 in the country is their highest ranking since 2017 right and it's their highest ranking period in the in the 2012 to 22 so it, it's maybe not as bad as it seems. No, just keep putting the work in. I mean, your goals, your next goal is to get to about 38th, somewhere around there. And and this is this is impressive. In his first true recruiting class, he got 11 instators. Correct. That's the most in this 11-year period. Right. Unbelievable. But think how quickly it would turn for Beetle if they got just one of the four four-star in-state guys. I know. And then found another four-star guy from Florida. I know it. That class would, boom, that, that would almost get him up to it's true. the upper 30s right there. So you're really not that far away. It's true. So Iowa, they finished at 30th in the country, which is pretty damn good. I mean, you look at, if you look at way back in 2012 to say like the 2015, they weren't recruiting that well. 
they were coming in in those 50s. They had three years in a row. They were in the 50s. And then they started popping up to the 40s. And then last year up to 24 and now 30. I just good trend that you see overall for the Iowa program. Six in the Big Ten. That's moving up from those days, too. I mean, they finished three years in a row at 12th. Yeah, the, and I. it's very rare that I see national people or other fan bases giving Iowa props for anything. I know I'm looking at that from an Iowa fan. You see people commenting, complimenting, excuse me, Iowa on their recruiting. It is on the uptick. To me, keeping that in-state stud. I mean, yeah. every like – because even during good recruiting years, you see Iowa miss out on that big in-state guy. Some like Alabama will come in and get him and stuff like that. That's huge to me. Just sure. being able to hold on to it. Okay, moving on to Minnesota. We talked about that this is a step back, but if you look at the trend over eleven years, the trend is that Fleck recruits a lot better than Clay's and Kill did. There's no question. There was a year that Kill finished sixty-seven. That's insane in the country. Previous year to that was fifty-nine. The next year was fifty-seven, sixty-three. I mean, he was a from just a purely ranking standpoint, Kill was a terrible recruiter. Doesn't mean he was a terrible coach. He no. wasn't. And he actually put a lot of those guys into the NFL. It was impressive. But then you look at the rankings. I mean, PJ, you've got a 38 in the country, 45, 38, 38. He drives back to 49. But overall, he's doing better than right. Kill did on, yep. on the recruiting trail. Nebraska talked about this being a, a step back. It is a big step back. I mean, finishing 41st in the country. The next lowest recruiting class that they had in that 11-year period was 35 under Polini. So this is the worst national ranking. They need a Purdue year this year. They need a Purdue year. Uh, Northwestern, just model of consistency. This is just exactly what they do. Okay, so they finished 48 this year. What what do you think they were last year? 46. 49. What do you think they were the year before? 46. 47. What do you think they were the year before? 51. I mean, it's just this is what they do. 13th in the conference, but they'll be just fine as long as they find a quarterback. Purdue last year was just brutal. Oh, 75th in the country last year. So all the way up to 37. Again, just a great job rebounding by Jeff Brown. Before the 75, they were 32nd in the country. Right. What an anomaly that was last year. So good job with Jeff with with the recruiting uh, for Purdue there. Uh, Wisconsin. Again, this is an anomaly, 45th. They were 15 last year, 26th the year before, 29 the year before that. But, it, but you know, they're still getting quality players, so I think they'll be fine. I thought this was interesting. Beatles' last class, they finished 65th in the country. Hmm. I guess he – did he have a foot out the door already? At, at – At Wisconsin. Oh, really? Wisconsin finished 65th. Boy, he must have had a foot out. That's, that's insane. In 2012 – they finished sixth, and that's his last official one. The next one, Anderson's first one, is yeah. technically really Beatles class. They finished fortieth. Okay, but <laughs> interesting. Yeah, very curious there. Um, okay, now moving on to the East, Indiana. I mean, I can't say enough good things. The twenty sixth in the country. They were fifty fourth last year, fifty seventh the year before that. They had a nice year in twenty nineteen with thirty sixth, but fiftieth year before that, sixty two the year before that. This is just a great job. Um, in-staters, nothing huge to point out. Only three this year. But they're not used to getting a ton of guys. I mean, six a couple years ago. Eight is their is their high from, well, actually 11 in 2012, but usually in that five to six range in-state. Maryland, they have potential to always recruit well. Yep. Um, 31st this year is really good. They were 18th last year, but they lost a couple of those their biggest players last year. 31st. It's almost like the, an every other year thing. 
for Maryland. They do good one year, they take a step back. Do good the next year, take a step back. Um, but overall, <clears throat> great year for locks. Eight in-staters, three more from Virginia, and a bunch more from the area. So way to go. Locks in the DMV, match made in heaven. Yep, Michigan next, nationally ninth. That's you know pretty typical of where they are. They were 10th last year, 14th year before, 8th year before that. So that's kind of their sweet spot. First, second, third, pretty much every year. The, there's one outlier. In 2015, Harbaugh's technically first class, so not even his fault. They finished fifth in the Big Ten. Michigan does what Michigan does. But strange, only one in Stater. We yeah. talked about that yep. before. Michigan State stole a, a, a number from them. So Michigan State, 22nd, which is a big step up. There were 43 last year, 44 the year before that. You go back to the snake oil years. Like, their, their bread and butter. They were recruiting, like, 26, 23. So this is... This is what they were used to from back yep. in that era. And again, those six in-staters, four with Michigan offers, one of them flipped. Ohio State, I mean, it's Ohio State. Okay, out of, out of the 11 classes, how many times do you think they weren't number one? Once. Yep. And it was that 29, 2019 class, which was an anomaly because it was a really small class. Correct. And if you remember the recruiting ca- cast that we did, I said, don't be fooled, this is the best class in the big And time. then the funny thing is, over the past couple of years, one of their lowest ranked recruits was Chris Olave. It's <laughs> true. Uh, six in-staters. It's fun to look at their in-state like strategy because if you go all the way back to the fickle days, so like you know, this is sweater vest into fickle. I don't have the sweater vest days. I just have the fickle one. They they took fourteen in-staters. Then Urban's first year, which technically would be the fickle class, sixteen in-staters. 10, 9, 12, 10. Then they they just drop down. Like they just change their in-state strategies. Really interesting. Now 655866. Five, six. Yep. Interesting. I but mean, you, I mean I to me I would think that's the better mix. Get I think. always make sure you get like if there's the the top 5 guys in the state, get 4 of them, you know, maybe one mm-hmm. more guy and then then you go out. Yeah. And then Penn State Again, great. This is another rebound class. They were 22nd last year, 6th this year. They were 6th in the Big Ten last year, 2 this year. They got 10 in-staters this year. They'd been they'd only had 4 each of the previous 3 seasons and 10 in-staters. Um, so that's their their high watermark was a Bill O'Brien class in 2013. They finished 3rd in the country. But in the Franklin years, this this ties as high. He he finished 6th in 2018 and he's sixth this year so but still awesome consistency recruiting out of franklin amazing okay now let's talk about Rutgers. um back in the flood days they they actually finished 23rd in the country one year but then they dropped to 48 56 56 ash's first year so not really as class 64th in the country 42nd not too bad but then 56 65 and then 61. But now, then they go up to 41 and now 33. Insane. And, and again, the, the important part to me is eighth in the Big Ten. Yep. I mean, they were just living in that 13 and 14 spot in the Big Ten during yep. the Ash years. Yep. So great job. Nine in-staters and then a bunch of others from the area. So that kind of wraps that up. But one more thing. Last segment here. I've been talking to Steve Morgans. He's a listener. Uh, for a few years about this, he's got his own ranking system, okay? I don't want to get too deep into how he does it, but it's based. It's not based on evaluations. It's based on offers. 
from other schools. Which is cool. There there are a lot of people that feel that's a huge way to look at it. Oh, it's a huge like if you if there's a four star guy, and then you 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 see that not a whole lot of big programs are talking to him. Something's up. That's a flag. Yep. Right. So it's basically his system is basically saying I trust the coaches more than I trust the evaluators at 24-7 Sports. By the way, I haven't mentioned 24-7. I should have plugged them earlier. 24-7 Sports, their composite ranking, that's what all this is based on. 24-7 across the board does a great job with not just the rankings but the content for each team. I mean, to me, they're much stronger in that area, the content versus rivals. It's not often you see a rival site that that has more traffic than a 24-7 site. So shout out to 24-7. They do a great job. So Steve's Steve's uh, concept again is basically I trust coaches more than I trust evaluators. I love it. So it's it's based not just on it's not on number of offers, but it's like what school he he breaks it down to like blue bloods, power five, group of five, and so who's offering these guys? And so you get he gives he basically gives points like more points for a helmet school that offered this guy. Uh, more and then a step down there for just another power cool. five I team, like it. Yeah. and then a step down there for group of five team. And he, it's fun he, to be in a fan sometimes, man. Come right, on, and so good stuff. I should also point out he's at Fence Jumpers on on the Twitters. He's also on the message boards on twenty four seven as Fence Jumpers, but his name is Steve Morgans. He lives in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I actually met him once yep. a couple years ago. I, I can't remember if I was there for work or vacationing in South Dakota during the pandemic, but anyway. Uh, he's been doing this for 10 years. And he said the thing that inspired him to do it is that he noticed during the Brewster years, Brewster recruited pretty well, but he didn't put guys into the pros. Then Kill comes in. He recruits like crap, but he's putting guys into pros. He's like, what's what's going on here? So he dug deep into it, and I, I don't remember if and he— obviously just straight X's and O's well, and coaching plays into that a big deal. That that could have a, a little bit Brew, to do. Brew, Brew was light, light on the development side of things. Yeah, and, and his opinion is that the evaluators do a really good job with the top 250 players, but then after that it gets really muddled. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, so then he—I I don't want to get into how he does the rankings. It's not good radio, but basically he I'm going to boil it down, and it comes down to tiers, okay, which I should probably have reviewed the tiers, but whatever. Okay. So he breaks it down into four tiers. And much like what we did, the first tier is Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, in that order. Okay. But then he also points out Ohio State's kind of in their own tier. Yep. But if you, so he also has five tiers. So, I mean, technically, the, let's just call that tier one. Okay. But you, if you broke that into two, it would be five tiers. Okay. So, tier two, all by their lonesome, is Indiana and Michigan State. He huh. has them above those other. Remember, sure. I, I grouped a bunch of them together. He separates those two, saying that they had they took guys that had better offers, basically. Okay. okay. So, way to go, TA, and way to go, Mel Tucker. Tier three, Rutgers, and this is in order too. Rutgers, okay. Northwestern, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, Maryland. So crazy, huge tier three, but way different ranking than. And Maryland's at the bottom. Maryland's at the bottom, but the one that, that surprises tier. me. Is Northwestern sure. second in that group? I would say both Northwestern and Maryland surprise me. Yeah, me too. Okay, that's and then, interesting. And also, maybe if you're a Nebraska fan, maybe, I mean, you're like, so bad. well, yeah, this isn't so bad. Yeah. We're, we're in that tier three where our, all of our competitors are. And then his tier four is actually Purdue and then Illinois. Okay. He has Illinois dead last, Purdue first in that tier four. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, but I just— So the, the top 
almost the exact same, but then there's some nuance as you work through those next uh, four through the bottom. The nuance is in the middle, which is really where... That's cool. That's where you want to separate things anyway, because it's obvious who the top ones are. The next... that It's the middle where it gets muddled, right? Yeah. I would love to to ask a college coach about his Steve's you know, thought process with that. Yeah. And so Steve's been posting this on Gopher Illustrated for 10 years. And okay. I guess it's become kind of a thing on, cool. on the okay. board and people, it creates a lot of, you know, discussion, sure. but I just thought it was a different way to look at recruiting and wanted to give some props. Good to stuff. Yeah. All right. All right. So that, uh, I think that kind of wraps it up, man. Dude, you nailed it yeah. again. Steve, thanks for your help. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a good one. Yeah. So there you go. There it That's is. Recruiting. You think maybe we should watch some basketball now? Yeah. Let's watch think? some basketball, man. I'm Jeffrey DeGree. I'm Big Kurt. This has been Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.